So we were sitting there at my parents' house last night, and uh, my dad was doing um, pork chops. He was cooking pork chops. He wasn't doing pork chops. It's weird. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> Joe's pick. Let's look, get ready. You've got it yeah, over there. Yeah, I got it up on my Spotify to follow along. I've got <laughs> it up over here. So we are diving in to the 1997 self-titled Marcy Playground album. Yes. And they wasted no time, apparently, because it was January 1st, 1997. I, I, that's the first time. Wow. I did, Does it say it on there down uh, at the bottom? Yeah, usually. I think. That's January first, nineteen ninety seven. And I'm like, they're they're just like, no, it's got to be. Is that what it says on Spotify? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's it say on your end? Okay, so I've been noticed. It's February twenty fifth is when the album came out. Oh, what scandalous! Uh, Yeah, yeah. So uh, I've been noticing that on a lot of Spotify albums recently, where I'll click into the album, uh, at least on my phone. And then I'll scroll down to the bottom and it'll say January 1st. And I, and I did it like a couple of times to a few albums. And I'm like, who are they really just releasing all these albums on January 1st? I yeah. was like, this has got to be some sort of odd coincidence. But I think it's just some sort of error. Yeah. Okay. That makes uh, sense. I mean, was that through the mobile that you were looking at it? Yeah. Through yes. Or mobile. On a yeah. laptop or something. So yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah, I, I don't maybe, know if that's a mobile thing or not. but So maybe they put it in as just a default for that year so they get the year correct but spotify is dropping right. the ball when it comes to the actual date i didn't know that uh, uh, i think that's it yeah but that makes sense but i mean <laughs> how many f- <laughs> do you not have enough employees at spotify yeah <laughs> What's right going on here i mean wikipedia can get the job done <laughs> that's the thing well that yeah uh <laughs> thanks for making a fucking liar out of me spotify anyway marcy playground 1997 february what was it 25th. 25th. February 25th. So let's go back to 1997. This is track number one, Poppies. What did we think about poppies, boys and boys? I think it's a great start. Yeah. Um, going from Janet Jackson, which was like 1980s pop, yeah, straight. Now we went like we had that episode, and then I went home and like was shoveling snow because it was two weeks ago. Two weeks ago we had snow on the ground. Oh my god. Um, yeah, and I wound up uh, listening to it while I was snow blowing, and it was just like a fun change of sound because now we're in the grunge years, you know. But it's kind of a fun. It's not like a depressing grunge but you get to have that heavier guitar to it and, yeah uh, i don't know, i think it's a good uh i think it's a good start for a track for the album yeah i agree sam uh i love the distorted riff to start the album i mean i thought it was i thought it was great mm-hmm. uh, i really i was immediately on board i was like this is 
It's fantastic. Uh, and then it's really catchy. Like, I, this is the song that I've been singing for the last two weeks. Like, oh, I'll just nice. be walking around, you know, my kitchen or living room or whatever, and I'm just like, puppies. Like, it's just <laughs> cute. <laughs> really. Like, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm, no, I'm annoying Kate, I think. Like, too, That's like, funny. Uh, <laughs> She's yeah, like, what have I done? <laughs> Why did I ever tell yeah, Joe about I mean, this? Well, she tries to sing along because she's like, yeah, you know, I know she remembers the album and everything yeah. and, and she likes it. But And we've actually listened to it a couple of times. Um, I don't know. I probably listened to the album like half a dozen times since we talked last. But, oh, funny. Uh, yeah. So but this was the song that um, yeah, was probably the most catchy that I was singing the most. Yeah, I like it. Well, here, let's get back. So I'm going to put this out there that not every song, but definitely this song, I I couldn't help but liken it to, and um, I remember I sent, uh, sent a message out to you, Sam, I believe, couldn't help but liken the band to other bands because I know so little about them. Mm-hmm. Now, this song immediately when it comes on, I, for some reason, felt like it was Nirvana meeting the presidents of the United States of America. That could be it. That's a good mix. Like Dune Buggy. Mm-hmm. You, you know that song? And uh, and then with the... Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of what I was feeling hmm. from that one. However, when you go into track number two, which is the one that everybody, everybody knows, knows. <laughs> everyone knows... And I had so much time to sit and think about myself And then there she was Like double cherry pie Yeah, there she was Like disco superfly I smell sex and candy hair Who's that lounging yeah. Who's that casting deep stairs in my direction? Mama, this surely is a dream. Yeah. Yeah, Mama, this Sex and Candy, track number two. Right. Good spot for it. Feels right. What do you think, Sam? Uh, it, it's really it's so different from the first song. I feel, right. you know, I think they made the right choice putting poppies first because quite frankly, I think it's the most kind of sort of upbeat sounding song mm-hmm. on the album. Get you started. Yeah. In, yeah. In, in my, yeah, in my opinion. And I think it kicks it off really great. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, it kind of goes into this. It, Sex and Candy really, I feel like brings the mood down. You know, yeah. like yeah. I, it's, it's I my, feel, it's my mixtape rule. Got to kick it off. Yeah, got to got to be a big one to kick it off, and then you got to bring it down a little bit. A little bit, okay. Yeah, but yeah. I feel I feel I feel like they're rushing. They're rushing to bring it down. Oh, like I a see. Too fast. Too, okay. Like maybe maybe they should you know ease into it a little. Bit. Like maybe fifth. by the fourth song, yeah. or, or even the next song after this, maybe you, maybe you play the you know. But it definitely sounds like stoner rock, right? Like, yeah, that's kind of where. And that's where I that's thought just, uh, like. Uh, kind of when you have bands that got that one hit wonder you know 
and it's somehow that's the one that sounds so different right so i'm wondering if like we would have if we push this down to the end mm-hmm. listen to all the tracks and then this one it'd probably have a little bit more of an impact yeah i mean i like the spot where it's at on the album yeah. don't get me wrong yeah, that's all right but to compare the uh the the tone and the contrast of the sound is yeah. like it is different compared uh, to all the rest of the songs. Let's, uh, let's fade back up here before it's done. So here's what I'm going to say about Sex and Candy. Based on, after having listened to the entire album, it's, for me... Like, I love the the way that the first song sounded, but I didn't, re- you know, the subject matter of the song. It, I guess you could say that also the subject matter of a song called Sex and Candy is a little interesting as well. After poppy but, seeds. <laughs> but this one, it just, it sounded better for me. Uh, and and not even in just comparison to the to the first song, but a lot of the songs on the album, because it's a more unique sound. When this song came out, like I can't remember the timing for Marcy Playground and like the Verve mm-hmm. or um, what are some of the others that were kind of more of a more of a somber sounding band for for at least some of their hits that they had. But with the more unique sound that you that you hear in this song, the, it sets them apart from the other bands mm-hmm. that were out there at the time and. His voice is way different than in the first song. And I I feel like we've been hearing lately, and even in the in the album that I'm gonna recommend after this one, I was noticing this. Once you start paying attention to all of the the tracks within an album, you hear different variations of the singer's voice. Mm-hmm. And it made me wonder with the sound that they had in this one, would they have been more successful? to carry that through more tracks on the album or was it destined to be a one hit wonder? You know what I'm saying? Wow. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, because you, you don't, do you, do you not feel like he carries this kind of vocal performance or a similar vocal performance or sound through to some of the other tracks on the album? So I, on my notes here, I put, I, I kept it very simple. For certain songs, I just wrote down at the very beginning if I thought it was a good song because yeah, that's one of the things that I don't I haven't really figured out what makes a band into a one hit wonder band because there were other songs that were good on here. But what was it about this song? Was it the subject matter? Was it the title that got it out there? Is it possible that this song could have very well just faded into nothingness and nobody would have ever heard of it. What made them decide to put this one out there as a single? I don't, I I don't really get it because I think even going into track number three and track number six, I just wrote down that they were, they were good. If not equally as good as sex and candy. So I just, I don't get it. And that it made me wonder if, they had carried out the same kind of kind of style of song throughout the entire album if they would have been more successful or if it why was this one a hit and the other ones were misses mm. i just don't get it yeah 
worth more investigation, I, mean, I guess. But yeah, you know. Some, well, so yeah. yeah, I mean, I think you could have a whole discussion about, and 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 one of the things I thought maybe we could just talk about, and maybe we could do it at the end, but is talking about one hit wonders just in general. Yeah, and like how, like what is that? What is what is uh, that as what kind of career do you have as a one hit wonder as a band? Yeah. Like, is that a curse or is that, you know, it's better to, is it that old adage, you know, it's better to have loved than, than never have loved at all. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not um, a curse so when lo- it comes I'm to, sorry, to have been loved, lost or never have loved at all. I'm fucking it up, but you know what I mean? But you know, the hit, it gave them recognition. It yeah. gave them the opportunity. Right. I was looking at. Uh, them over the years. And I don't think they've really done a, I, it seemed like there was a big gap between like 2009 ish and like 2018, I believe, but it got them into events where they were like with Everclear and other nineties bands that I was seeing, but it was just bothering me that I couldn't crack the code. You know what I mean? As to why it turned out this way. But, uh, like I said, we can talk about that more here in a bit, but anyway, uh, Track number three, Ancient Walls of Flowers. I'm standing by my uh, comparison to the presidents of the United States. A little bit, yeah. You know, and but it's they're not I, around anymore. I I I, yeah, I wrote it down. It's yeah. good. Like it's a good song. Yeah. I don't think it's as catchy mm-hmm. as Sex and Candy, but it's a good song. I could, I could have if I had more time, <laughs> I very easily could have listened to this album half a dozen times mm-hmm. because I did enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. all the way through and yeah. and it's i feel like it's just good easy listening music yeah. is that the problem is that why it didn't take off because it was too easy listening and enya had already <laughs> chewed up well, that part I mean, of the business yes <laughs> right study halls uh, yeah i don't right Man. yeah i don't know if enya is the competition for this album <laughs> but i think <laughs> right but i think i think there is something that is sort of subdued about the overall sound of this album. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of songs, once, after Poppies, I think really a lot of the songs kind of have a similar sort of tone yeah. and sound and yeah. kind of feel. I agree. And yeah. yeah, go ahead. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe it just wasn't, maybe they didn't rock enough, you know? And I think that might be why Poppies was maybe my favorite song because I was like, you know, it's got a pretty good, this has got some good kick to it. This yeah. another song later. That I think has a pretty, you know, a similar thing too. But, but I think, yeah, it, it's just kind of got this sort of, you know, it, you're right. It's easier to listen to. Yeah, like it's it's good. So it's a good like mellow kind of '90s rock album. 
Why yep. Sex and Candy maybe was a hit. I mean, got a catchy title, right? Yeah. And yeah. It's got the repetitive, you know, the repetitive uh, Sex and Candy. It thing. wasn't. It wasn't very often that you would have, and this is just silly as a topic, but you didn't have a lot of songs that were singles that made it to the radio that had sex in the title. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And I remember that being part of the the Appeal. deal behind it okay. when when it came out. And it was, not only was it in the title of the song, but they said the word sex so many times uh, on the radio. Yeah. And if you think yeah. about it, there there wasn't a lot of, I mean, same thing with Meredith Brooks. When Bitch came on the radio, like, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it was it was weird for a minute because you're playing it on these uh what would have been the top 40 stations yeah. Terrestrial back in radio, the day. Yeah. You know. Kind of borderline hard rock. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. But, you know, it goes to show, you know, you're bringing up bands that they sound similar to. Yeah. So maybe they just kind of blended in and that was the one song that was just like Oh, you know, this one's just a bit different. Yeah. That we're not hearing, you know. Right. Because presence of the United States, a lot of uh a lot of power, a lot of energy. You got Nirvana, which kinda has that grungy, harder thing. And then you have it kind of up the middle where sex and candy kind of was a thread the needle. Yeah. So maybe that's kind of yeah. part of the power of it. I don't know. Um I you like d- the tab the taboo of saying the word sex on the radio yeah. was enough to make it like a Ooh, I can say and it, it, and it, it like just, a significant and it just hit, so like, happened to be catchy enough. Yeah. I smell yeah. yeah. Um funny story that I will say real fast. There was a night at karaoke and sorry that I always talk about karaoke, but it's my life. <laughs> It's it's what normal. I do. It's, it's what I do twice a week running it. But there was one night that I didn't have much of a voice, and uh, I went up on stage and I said, "All right, well now I'm going to sing Sex and Candy because it's the easiest fucking song to sing." <laughs> and so I did. So I did it, and it was fine. But then about like an hour later, these uh, a group of like three girls came in and said, "We want to sing Sex and Candy." I'm like okay. And I'm like, all right, but then everybody out there that had been there for a while looked at me like, "Come on, you you just basically an hour ago shit on this song <laughs> being the easiest one to sing." <laughs> I'm like, yeah, don't tell them. It's don't fine. worry about it. They don't know. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder too if like, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking about it, and I wonder too if it's some of the phrasing that he or some of the stuff he kind of came up with that I had heard that he basically made up. Like he said, things like disco lemonade, yeah, and yeah. Uh, double cherry pie. Uh, what was the other one? Du- double cherry pie, right? And yeah. platform double suede and like, was the other one. What? Yeah. You know, kind of disco-y sounding phrases yeah. that I think maybe just made it. I don't know, just kind of quirky and sort of fun for people to like be able to yeah. sing along to. And I'm sure they were just like, "What the fuck is that? Yeah. Like, what are those yeah. things? Like, who's sitting in my chair? Oh. I don't know. Who's sitting in my chair? Come on. Who's that? Like, who's sitting in my chair? Come on. Yeah, it, it definitely had a, an interesting way of speaking in it. Uh, I had read somewhere that um, maybe it was Wikipedia. I'm not sure, but that he had a lot of experiences with LSD when he was younger. And so it's possible, like maybe he was, he was traveling with or following the, the grateful dead. I want to say it was. Ooh, okay. And so he, he said that, uh, the was is who I'm talking about. The, the main guy, 
right. and that yep. eventually he had to stop taking drugs because it was, he could tell that it was taking its toll on his on his mind. And I wonder, without that experience, would it have, you know, would he have sounded the same, you know, right. and, and had still gotten into music? I don't know. But anyway, I did happen to find a, a clip out there with a crazy, obnoxious <laughs> radio personality. What was it? It was DJ, DJ Tasty is what he said his name was. <laughs> But he he actually locked down the band, and I'm guessing that this was at least ten years ago. But um, I I got a couple clips from it, and I'm going to play the first one now. I think that it's the the origin of the band. Here we go. Um, so how did we uh, how did we come to have uh, the uh, this this uh, form of Marcy Playground as it stands today? Where'd you guys all cross paths? Oh uh, well, Dylan and I met in New York in '95, '96, um, okay. And uh, we started the band together. Um, I, I, I had actually moved to New York to uh, basically to pursue music, and as did Dylan. Yeah. Know, he had gone to music school and stuff, and was um, doing rock and and jazz and session work and stuff like that, and playing with bands. And uh, uh, we were introduced by a mutual friend, a guy who's kind of become a sort of famous jazz guitar player recently. Um, this guy named Kurt Rosenwinkel, who's a mutual friend of ours. Um, introduced me and Dylan, and um, we've just been playing ever since. And you know, we've we've uh, we've had a lot of other members in the band as far as drums, and um, we play with other you know pianists, and you know, uh, we prefer it as a trio. Anyway, that was uh, just a, one of the clips that I got, but it was interesting. Leading up to this episode, all of us had made the observation that there's hardly yeah. anything out there of the band like talking or interviews or whatever so i found this one and it seemed like it was substantial enough to include uh let's go to uh i guess this would be track number four is that right yeah and i'm yeah. guessing this is the reason why joe picked this album see am i right i guess saint joe mm. on the school bus toot, toot. Oh, that's not true. They said your dad was gay. They said your mom, she's a whore. They said until you were raw. Yeah. And they said your mom, she's a boy. And they made her back then. Well, now we're getting into the Nirvana. There's some portion. hints of the boom, 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 yeah. boom, 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 yeah. boom, 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 boom. And boom. here's the thing: by bit. me likening them to the presidents of Nirvana, that is not a dig. No, like, but that's that was, fine. That was but, what was around at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. But I, I dig it. Um, yeah, this was a fun song. It was just more. Did you do? Did you, Joe? Did you do much reading? about their their origins or anything like uh, that. All I really knew was John Wozniak was uh, from Minneapolis. Yes. Um, I didn't really get much. Uh, like, this album's kind of more of his experiences with life. Yeah. Um, but I didn't get much about the band as a whole. So, really, you know. 
I, so that's where I'm at. I was under the impression after reading that a lot of this album and even the name comes from his experiences as a young boy yeah. at this school. Right, right. And I, I believe that this track is straight out of that book. So if he's a young boy and he's talking about sex and candy, I don't know. Well, that was a different <laughs> that, song. I, get, I know, I know. And eventually he had to go through some things as a boy and turn into a man. And okay. I'm sure it's one of those one of those things. But uh, yeah, th- this one sounded very very Nirvana ish. It did to me, but it was good. I liked and, it. Uh, yeah, it's a solid tune. I like it. Um, Sam, go ahead. Yeah, I. Uh, the first note that I made the reason Joe chose this album. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I knew that. I was snow blowing two weeks ago. Going, oh yeah, my god, they're yeah, gonna uh, sing uh, My next note reminds me of the "Come as You Are" riff during uh, the chorus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, boom, 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 uh, boom. I mean, it's, that's right? I. It I, I, I like didn't. It. I didn't pinpoint that quite like yeah. you did. But now that you say that, absolutely. Yeah, and I, you know. Uh, I, I had similar notes about it too. I mean, this, like you said, it was a lot about his growing up. This specific one was about getting picked on on the school bus as a kid. Um, and Which you know, at, he was a huge fan. Uh, John Wozniak was a huge fan of the grunge era um, that had kicked off just a few years prior, and really looked up to a lot of the uh, the bands like Nirvana. As a matter of fact, at some point. Uh, I guess Marcy Playground had shared some studio space with uh, with Nirvana. Oh, um, they were recording, sense. I think, at, at similar times or doing some sort of recording at similar times. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think he really looked up to to Cobain and, and Nirvana specifically. Um, and then I know that uh, also I have to admit I didn't watch the video for this, but I know that the production team Hammer and Tongs produced the video, and they also did uh, the Hitchhikers uh, Guide movie. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. Nicely done. I missed yep. that one. Hmm. Um, well, I've got another clip here that I'm going to put in. Uh, this is from the same interview with DJ Tasty. And <laughs> this is about them coming up with the name. And we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but here I go. Uh, the name of the band comes from, well, by, by uh, sort of by way of this song that I wrote called From the Marcy Playground. Um, it comes from a school that I went to. In Minneapolis, where I was born in Minneapolis and lived there till I was about nine years old, and um, I went to a school there. It was a an open program, so it was an alternative school, and uh, it was called the Marcy Open School. Um, and the playground is just the playground at the school. And this, this, so I, I think it was probably in 1989 or 90. I, I wrote a song called "From the Marcy Playground," and um, when I remember when we were looking for a name for the band, I had this little uh poster that that I had uh, I had made that said from the Marcy playground and it said Zog Bogmin which is a which was a solo record kind of project that I'd done in probably 1991 um and for some reason I think Dylan and I were talking about it or just like hey we should call the band from the Marcy playground and then we just ended up shortening it to Marcy playground there you have it and that'd be fun to go see like yeah. tootling around Minneapolis, yeah. like oh, there it is. For me, uh, I guess I I guess we didn't talk about this yet, but in some of the stuff that I read about his experience at the school, there was a lot of bullying mm-hmm. going on, and he would find himself just staying inside the school after school because he didn't want to deal with the other kids. And when I hear him 
talk in that clip, like if we were to, if we were to go back and play the mid section of that again, when he starts talking about the school, he just like he just kind of gets quiet there, and it's like like lost in thoughts of the way that things were. Yeah, and that it like I feel that big time right. because if that's in fact where his mind's going, and and when you talk about the school and a lot of the memories that you have dealing with things when you were a young kid, like you can, your memories can take you straight back there. And that's yeah. when I listen to that clip, so, I can like feel what he's going through when he's talking about it. And the, and the fact that taking that, that name and turning it into this thing, like that's gotta be pretty satisfying to him, I'm sure. But on another level, it's like, that's yeah. always going to be with him no matter what. Yeah. So why not turn it into something better? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Let's make it out. But I, I had a semi shitty childhood. So, right. so I, I can yeah. It's like, oh boy. Uh, but I, a lot of others could too. So that's that's good. Oh yeah, you for know? sure. That's pretty cool. But I, I, I found that very uh, intriguing to find out that a lot of this and you know, back in the day, you hear the you hear the single on the radio, you hear Marcy Playground, you find out it's a self titled thing. You don't think about the roots to it. Mm-hmm. But when you dive in and find out, oh, this is an actual school that he went to, digging in further like we are now, find out he didn't have a great time mm-hmm. at this school. And yeah. so, you know, you although you have your same memories that that you did as a kid it, and living those memories, I don't know the best way to say that, but as you age, the the memories stay the same, but they the memories kind of evolve into who you are now and then to put those into a lyrical form Mm -hmm. somehow i don't know the one thing i didn't hear and i don't know if it is anywhere but that song that he referred to that they ended up naming the album after okay so i don't know if that's a song that we can find somewhere or if it's just something that he wrote and never put out yeah i'm I'm not sure about that either yeah yeah i'd have to like do some research on that but yeah uh, yeah, it's interesting how like you know how very personal I mean it kind of seemed the whole yeah. the whole album really just seemed to be I mean and that's you know that's where the best a lot of the best songs come from right so yeah those personal those personal stories so, songs and um, books and, and, and that carries yeah. on throughout the whole album so right right let's go on to a cloak of elven kind a cloaking robe of elven kind hangs in Sam Barnes, A Cloak of Elven Kind. Yeah, song about D&D, folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so you know, he's he waited till like the fifth fifth song, right? Yeah. To to come out as to come out as a as a big nerd, and yep. I'm, I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but yeah, so uh, apparently he played a D&D in college. 
uh, mm-hmm. at Washington, in Washington State. Um, and I guess I did a little research. The cloak of elven kind makes you invisible. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if you're being bullied, so song, like, yeah. what's that? So like, yeah, if you're being bullied and brought up in a certain, like, I get it. Yeah. Being invisible. Yeah. Like, I so don't he, to... It was about, yeah, it was about going through life completely invisible like, and nobody, nobody noticing you just kind of being able to yeah. sort of mm-hmm. disappear. So I kind of cross, uh, I, I kind of cross check this with Kate cause she knows a lot about D and D and she said, well, the cloak Apparently, in the newer version of D and D, it's just a cloak that's supposed to give you camouflage, not necessarily invisibility. So, yeah, any D and D fans out there, now you want to make sure I'm not giving false information. <laughs> there you go. Apparently, in some previous '90s version, '97, the cloak is invi- invisibility. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but he said he thought it was the first pop song about D and D. And then Jack I thought, Black I mean, came back. That's what I, he said, but who knows? Quite, like you'd have to go through. It's possible, like. It D and D was not cool yet in 1997. Like now, no. it's way cool. I yeah. mean, I guess I can't speak for the high schoolers out there. If <laughs> I don't know, but I feel like times have changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Now, now is a much more forgiving time for for nerds. Actually, they kind of. But Weezer, Weezer did mention it in in the garage in the song in the garage. Oh, yeah. You know, they mentioned yeah, yeah. they mentioned like Dungeon Master's Guide and Twelve Sided Die. So they talk yeah. about. They talk about it a little bit. Um, I uh, I wrote down that this song sounded very '90s, and my my exact thing that I wrote here because I I was working in the we're redoing the laundry room, so I'm mm-hmm. I'm like trying to drill in things and screw in things and whatever at the same time. But I would make my way over to a paper to to write down some notes on this most recent time that I went through it, and I wrote down very '90s and yet dot 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 drugs. Yeah, <laughs> that's what that's, I wrote. Yeah, <laughs> like that's it. It had that very, uh, I, I don't know, would you call it like melancholy sound? I felt when to it, it started, it was like you're falling into the abyss. Yeah, kind of, uh, you know, yeah. This song <laughs> would have fit right in in that fucking that one Tom Cruise movie, Vanilla Sky. Yeah, that was, oh my yeah. god. I need, it I don't know if I need to rewatch right that there. or not. That was a weird movie. <sighs> Open your eyes. Okay. <laughs> I like the melody. I like. Yeah, I like it was song. good. Oh, it's on. And it's we're on. back. Okay, so we are moving on to Sherry Fraser. Yes. And here we go. Ooh, I saw stars falling all around her head. Red, gold, and blue. Sherry. Barnes, tell us what you know about Sherry Frazier. Very specific. Real person. Okay. Real person. She's real. Ah. Yeah. Apparently did not change the name. It was uh <laughs> Just, it was like John Wilson. Up. <laughs> Here it is. 
she got married and she's like, I can't change my name. It's a song. I just, well, yeah, right. <laughs> well, I don't think. Yeah, I don't. I don't think she minded because I guess they're still friends. It was oh, yeah. uh, John Wozniak's first girlfriend, and yeah. his uh, I guess first you know true love when he was 16 years old, and they've stayed friends, and they wrote songs together. As a matter of fact, she's ah. in a band called Two Ton Boa. Whoa. Okay. And, and that's a big yeah. boa. I didn't and know if she Marcy, like, sold insurance or anything. Like I've never heard of that band. <laughs> yeah. But apparently, Marcy Playground covered one of their songs for the Cruel Intention soundtrack. Oh. I saw that they were on the Cruel Intention soundtrack, but I didn't know what song it was. Yes. So the song they played was a Two Ton Boa song, and I guess she is Sherry Fraser is a visual artist, and she did the artwork for their 2009 album Leaving Wonderland. Nice. That makes sense. Well, let's fade back up. I dig this song. I like it. And if you're going to have a song named after you, this one's pretty good. Right? I mean, you know, a lot of others. uh, And it's funny. A lot of other songs in the past about an actual person just use the first name. Yeah. But. (laughs) Right? But, like, I wonder how old he was. Like, okay, so he was, like, a teenager, and that was, like, his first love, right? And then, like, I wonder how old he was in 97 when he released this song, and then all of a sudden she hears it. It's like, wait a minute, what's going on? (laughs) Joe, if you were to write a song about your first love, what would the name of the song be? First name only. I think you all know. (laughs) Sam, your uh, first name, first love. Jenny. Jenny. Ah. Yeah, see, mine's not far off. It would have been Jessica. We so. all have Jane. 8675309 is the song that I wrote about her. Okay. <laughs> it's destined see? to be a hit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I wrote that one. That's no. funny. Um, I thought it was somebody else. Would you, ra- but... would you rather have this song written about you or, um, say, Darling Nikki? <laughs> right this one it's at least it's like it's this one here's the thing uh they're polar opposites all right this one gives no oh, information this one gives no information darling nikki a little too much information uh there's a lot of information there oh my god let's uh let's see am i ready for my next hold on yeah, I'll save that. I'll save that. Let's go to the let's go to the next song. Gone crazy. Gone crazy. Come back and be come back for free. Come back and stay child. Venus 
How you feeling about Gone Crazy? Uh, sounds good. And I think that we're kind of getting to that part of the album where like, I felt that kind of the back end of the album kind of all sounded very similar as far ah. as sound and mm-hmm. execution and all that. But yeah, I liked it. You know, just kind of... It felt and feels very... Like it could have come out of the 60s. Yeah, like Beatles kind of. For me. Yeah, a bit. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I, at... at Initially, I was just thinking 60s, but yeah, Beatles does make sense there. Um, and it's also kind of like um, like a nursery rhyme yeah, feel yeah. to it, like something something that would have been sung to a child as a as a child. I don't know a better way to say that. Sam, go ahead. Yeah, another another name drop here, Molly. I don't know who Molly is, but. Oh. Um, it's a great drug. You know, once again, probably <laughs> Molly probably preferred this song over "Darling Nikki." Uh, um, but yeah, I mean this this album and really especially the last few songs. I, I mean, I can just totally like this would this would have been a good vibe uh, for you know sitting in the dorm room and just like somebody yeah. with an acoustic guitar, yeah, you know, like playing these songs and just like you know hanging out and whatever. yeah. Maybe you're smoking something. I don't know. Whatever you're into. <laughs> I'm getting I I'm getting that. hints of a campfire here yeah. is what I'm getting. Or a yeah, knit, yeah, a yeah knit th- that too, cab. you know. I think this yeah. album would fit in in yeah, a lot of different places. But you know, I think it um yeah, it's got a good a pretty good vibe going so far. Yeah. All right, let's go to the next one. Opium. What? I'll just say this off the bat. I get where they're going with this. Mr. Barnes feels like you know the last few songs were maybe around a campfire yeah or at a party somewhere kind of late at night and then this one is like when it the party is starting to really bottom out mm-hmm. you know yeah like it's well past midnight and uh, <laughs> yeah some people have passed out and uh, you're not wrong that's that's kind of like I feel like where we're at yeah it's it's yeah. definitely I mean it, it was mellow and then we got you know like really mellow like i don't feel like there's anybody else kind of hanging out listener listening to this song anymore now it's just mm-hmm. like one guy and an acoustic guitar playing this song so i but yeah. also apparently these dudes are into the opium mm-hmm. yeah what? yeah weird who I, knew <laughs> i felt like although it would have been an interesting feel to it i could have seen this as the last track on the album that could work you know what i mean it just kind of yeah yeah i for some reason when i hear this song it, it makes me wonder what it would what the album would have felt like 
going into this very your very first listen to it this being the last track on it i don't know that's mm-hmm. had had i arranged it <laughs> oh, yeah? that's what i would have done ah. give me a call waz well i also yeah i also think maybe the last song you know and we'll get to that obviously but yeah it almost kind of sounds like a throw-in track to me but mm. um you know, like you just for completion's like, sake, like you have to, yeah. you know, fill some more. Yeah. Like fill maybe some more time. It, you want your album to be a certain length. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like maybe it could have been a next to last track. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've got some incense I can light in here. Yeah. Just so you know. I picked some up while I was in Minneapolis. Ooh. Which is where they're from. Blockbuster video, Des Moines, that, Iowa. That was planned. What? Uh, what? Oh, the man who knew too little with Bill Murray. <laughs> no. Anyway. I thought you would get that one. Never mind. Never mind. Well, I was thinking I, I was just thinking of buying incense. <laughs> and you're like blockbuster. <laughs> I know. All right. It whatever. Off. That's off the wall. Anyway. Anyway, now we're back, and That's we're back. Funny. Um, I wanted to toss in this last bit, and uh, it's from the interview with uh, DJ Tasty, which is everyone's favorite DJ. And this is where, in this segment, they talk about their influences, which I enjoyed learning about, but I did not see some of these coming based on, maybe they didn't want to say they're more contemporary influences or maybe maybe they didn't see what we were hearing hear what we were hearing i don't know what's happening anyway as far as influences go man classic rock you know american roots music okay um dylan you know grew up on like marley and bob dylan and uh stevie wonder and stuff like that me i grew up on like hendrix and uh elvis and also um, blues music and folk music we both uh, grew up in Minneapolis. We didn't know each other there, and we both went to these alternative schools. So yeah. there was we, only two we, in the city. And we yeah. Both went to, so when we met, it was very, very strange sort of coincidence. So you guys had some sort of similar background experience. Yeah, it was yeah. weird actually when we first met. It was really weird. And the, and you know one characteristic of these schools, these alternative schools, is when you stop going to them, that and go to a regular school, it feels so strange. And both of us had this sort of like whimsical. Um, sort of nostalgic uh now we'll get into one more suicide and uh we will one day be done with this episode (laughs) people people don't uh you're not experiencing this because we edited around it but we've had more technical difficulties this episode than um anyone ever doing a podcast so uh here we are one more suicide let's hope all the volume is good and go yahtzee Christopher Malley went out on a bridge down in Chehalis Clutching his Bible and a letter from her Fell into the river Pity no one was there No angels in the air And the Yeah. 
What do you think about one more suicide, Mr. Barnes? Yeah. Uh, uh, name dropping is his good buddy, Christopher O'Malley. Yeah. Um, I don't have anything on that. I don't know if that's a real person. <laughs> right. But I feel like... He, Knowing him, it probably is. It probably is. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully they're friends. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this is, you know, this this falls right in line with, with kind of the way the album's gone, you know? Right. Just, you know, pretty pretty mellow stuff. Yeah. Um, it's not my favorite. It's not really even near the top for me of, of my favorite songs on this album. My top, like, you know, two or three, but... Um, but I think it works with the album. Yeah, it's as far another as, as, it's, far as the vibe. Yeah, and uh, with that, it's just another like it's kind of somber sounding song. Yeah, and right. Uh, yeah, I'd so I guess yeah, in that respect, it fits in. But this this definitely isn't. And I mean, you know, it's a song about suicide, obviously. So I don't think it's meant to be a upper. You're right. <laughs> you yeah, no, I mean? right. Like, hey, I think that this was intended to be what it is. So, um, yeah. Did did you have any other like facts that you found out about the band that we haven't touched on yet? Um, let's see. Well, a couple of things. Like, you know, um, I kind of made some notes about some of their touring partners. Okay soundtrack appearances we kind of already talked about some of that yeah um you know the um some of the critics speak i thought was interesting too like just some of the you know some of like the the ratings that the album got and what some of the critics said about it i thought was kind of interesting not that you need to give that much weight to it like if you listen to the album and you like it you like it like right i think that's you know Right. But um, but i i found that the a lot of the ratings and stuff that people gave it were really all over the board Mm-hmm. You know, like people either really liked it or it was, I don't know. Some people thought it was really mellow and pleasant and wonderful to listen to. And then this other guy from LA Weekly was like, it's folksy, opiate obsessed bullshit. So uh, I thought, which so I thought I'm was, sure they were thrilled with thanks, that. Thanks review. for your input. <laughs> right. You know, like, uh, but then no, again, like was... critics are also, you know, they want to say something that sets themselves apart. So, but that yeah. doesn't mean you need to be a fucking dick about it. Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, but, but, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. You go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I thought, you know, their touring partners, I thought fit right in line with like who they were. It was like toe the wet sprocket. Oh yeah. You had mentioned, yeah. You had mentioned Everclear before. Yep. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fastball was another one. Oh man, yeah, yeah. Fastball. Sugar Ray, Lit, uh, Gin Blossom. <laughs> I would, I would go to time. these concerts. Yeah, I've been to Everclear. Yeah. <laughs> Had I gone to one of their concerts, I probably would have heard more than just one of their songs, right. and I would have dove into this album years earlier. Uh, anyway, here is Dog and His Master. The next track.
Dog and his master, Mr. Vaughn. Um, it was a good one, I think. Like it's kind of a little bit more upbeat as far as like in the whole realm of the uh, the album, you know. So right, it kind of yeah. gets out of suicide, and then like, all right, let's lighten the mood a little bit. Uh, but it's still, it still kind of has that fun little. It's just a little get up, you yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah. It's not hard rock, but yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a lighter. It might be the lightest song on the (laughs) album, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah. Mr. Barnes? Yeah, it's kind of nice. Picks up the pace a little bit, you know? Yeah. From, I mean, because it's really been like straight, pretty much straight, like, you know, just pretty mellow ballads for a while. I mean, I don't know if you'd call them ballads, but um, yeah, yeah, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was fun. Um, You know, they... They kind of uh, bring in the little, uh, the one little, two little, three little idiots. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing in there, the <laughs> kind of sing-songy. So I like um, how you said know, idiots. <laughs> well, that's that's what they said, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. In this, in the right, I know that's what they say in the song. So I thought that was. Um, at first, I was like, "Did he say? Did he say Indian?" I'm like, I yeah. Um, no, he but, he knew that that was uh, he was years ahead of the uh, Washington Redskins. So yeah, he knew what was yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, well, we are done with that that one. Timing worked out perfect. Now let's move on to the shadow of Seattle. So this is the one that threw me off before I actually looked into the band on the internets. Well, as soon as I saw Seattle, I'm like, well, there's your Nirvana yeah, connection. Because it's got right that boom. Hey, boom. Hey. Absolutely. And that's precisely where I was going with that. But then I found out Minneapolis, and I'm like, what? What is happening? That's in the middle of the country. That's not right. Yeah, that's different. It's, I don't know. Thoughts on this one, Sam? Yeah, I really dig the bass line and kind of the bass and drum interplay on this. Yeah. Uh, the, the drums are kind of doing this funky thing in the background, and then that bass line is, uh, I really dig it. I love how it's... It's kind of um, groovy, kind of... Yeah, really super, super kind of funky uh, bass line. I really dig it. Um, the song's about the commercialization of the grunge scene. Um mm-hmm. And once again, you know, I talked about how he was such a big fan of like all the grunge that was happening and Nirvana specifically. So, yeah, the fact that it sounds like Nirvana, Seattle in the title. Yeah, that all, which, all comes together. Which makes me wonder, because we had the bit, the interview where they talk about their influences and they didn't mention any of those. Yeah, but that's what they sound like. Totally. So it's like all of you. What you're saying is all of your influence. uh uh, Influencers? Yeah, yeah. yeah. All the people that influence you. I don't know how to talk today. Whatever. (laughs) It's been a day, guys. (laughs) So all of those people, they're either 
you know, he was saying classic rock or, you know, there was a little bit about Bob Marley in there. And I'm listening to this album and I'm like, where? Like, where is it? Mm-hmm. Because what I'm hearing are all these other things that are that are going to be their their peers in the musical business. Oh, is that Padfoot? Uh-huh. Yeah. Hang on just a second. That's all right. Sorry. Padfoot break. Aw. <laughs> Sweet. And we're back. Sorry about that. How's how's old Padfoot doing? Oh, he's good. He's still he there. Heard, he heard something outside. Yeah. And so, he, he, he will out. not stand for that. Nobody nah, shall nah. be outside of his house. No. I always honk when I go by anyway. You've got to make that extra like, detour just to go by I and know. honk. Absolutely. Boop. So we are on to our last track, The Vampires of New York. And um, here goes. Come see the vampires of New York. think boys for the last one it's kind of it's like you're riding off in the sunset i'm kinda. telling you it should have been opium you know that's what it should have been kinda, uh, yeah mm-hmm. you know uh, i would listen to this isn't related really but i would listen to the uh scott ackerman and adam scott and they had a podcast that was about u2 and their albums and rem and they even did some talking heads in there and they would do this thing occasionally where they would take an album and rearrange the tracks the way that they think that they should be. Really? Wow. And I, I, I thought it was weird at first, but then I hear albums like this and I'm like, hmm, I feel like <laughs> some adjustments could be like, keep the songs the same. That's fine. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this Just is change the running order. Right. Right. Yeah. This is a weird yeah. way to end the album to me. And don't get me wrong. Yeah. Opium had a weird sound to it, but it was still like. It just kind of left you wanting more. And this one's like, hey, we're done. Bye. We'll see yeah. you. Bye. Okay. Cool. That's what, it's, that's what this one sounds <laughs> yeah. like. It is kind of weird. I agree. Yeah, I think it was It was just kind of, to me, this was just like one they threw in. You know, like I, I feel like they were just trying to fill some space. Yeah. And, and so they were like, yeah, we're just going to throw this one in at the end. And I think maybe why this is a better choice to end the album than Opium mm-hmm. is because... I think it's almost a stab at like an attempt at humor and it's maybe uh, a way to sort yeah. of end it to be kind of, you know, a little more funny than opium would have been more that. of a downer, I guess. Yeah. Basically. Right. No, that's true. So, um, but I guess it was all about like the record industry execs in New York kind of like, you know, their experiences with releasing their album and just kind of dealing with the record industry in general. It seemed like they right. were sort of calling them vampires, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, so I guess they didn't seem to care too much for that experience. Like, uh-huh, we're out. Yeah. Well, this is the end. So, yeah, it's kind of fun when, like, uh, you know, like Foo Fighters kind of touched on this in interviews and stuff. But it's, you know, uh, when you're piecing together a whole album, 
yeah. it's kind of neat because they're like, oh, well, track number two was like actually one of our first ones that we recorded. Um, oh, like kind of in the middle there. Actually, that was eh, this is our last one that we recorded. And we just kind of threw it all together. So yeah. it's just kind of neat how they just kind of uh, what they already have sitting around mm-hmm. and what they're like, shit, we got to make something because that's what the record album wants us right. to do. <laughs> like, oh, shit. So, yeah. yeah. And that was that was that. Well, I at the beginning, Joe. Yeah, I was very skeptical. Uh, you know, I learned album. a little bit. I learned a little bit <laughs> of this. Yeah, of this choice. I was like, mm, I don't know what Joe's going for here, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good. It's different. Good on you, sir. And it wasn't something that was like an album that everyone knows. No, for it sure. Certainly. So was I wanted not to do kind that. of like a deep cut. And uh, not that we have to do another album dive by any means, but I do suggest go to the next album like 1999. Just check it out. And it just has a s- different tone and different sound yeah so i don't know it's just kind of if you got time just poke around on it but yeah so Mm -hmm. uh so i kind of looked ahead and like huh okay okay they're kind of picking up the pace a little bit they're kind of so i don't know just explore that but i thought it was kind of fun yeah it was great final thoughts on marcy playground sam yeah i liked that we i mean once again i only knew i really only knew sex and candy so i thought it was i liked that joe chose this because it was an album i could get into that i'd really never listened to before yeah yeah um, so it was, it was cool to dig through all the other stuff that I knew by a band that I basically knew for one song, you know, it's, it's always um, fun to go back and hear an album. Like, yeah, you knew of this one song, so you knew kind of their sound a bit, but then to think that this, all of these tracks, these other, what, 11 tracks have just been sitting here for, I don't know. 30 years mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever, like 25 yeah. years or something. But yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I was digging it. The only other thing I thought was interesting about this was the whole, like, I guess that we could have like got into more was the whole one hit wonder like phenomenon, because I just, oh, when, I, yeah. when, we, when I was listening to this, I was just thinking about like how weird it is. If you're a one hit wonder and you go play a show yeah, and you're like playing your concert and you know everybody is just sitting there the whole time. I've been I've been at concerts song. like that and I'm sure you right? have too where it's like oh they God. just they just want to play this other shit that they care about and everybody's right. just sitting there chanting the song, yep. you know. But I've also been on the other side of it too where mm-hmm. that's the song that they come out with and then mm-hmm. the rest of it's just like blah and just like so I've seen yeah. it flip. And then there's also and I I would imagine that this goes for a lot of bands, but you've got you've got bands like that where they just have the one, but then you also have bands that like uh, we were talking recently about Aerosmith, you know, all hits, yeah. like wall-to-wall hits. But then you've got some in the middle, like when we when we went to see Gin Blossoms because I bet that a lot of the people in the audience know everything that they're going to sing. Because they're they're a band that dates back so far. But I bet there are some people there that only know two or three songs, you know, like yeah. Till I Hear It From You or Hey Jealousy. Mm-hmm. But then the rest of them, they're like, oh, I don't know this one. Yeah. So they so they still do. It's hit and miss. Yeah. So they still do the the big ones, the, like the the real heavy hitters towards the end. So yeah. that, that way it still kind of builds up to that. And yeah. uh, it's like, you know, Foo Fighters. Every concert. You know you're not hearing ever long till the end. Yeah, it's three hours yeah. long because it's like wall to wall hits and some covers in there. Yeah, it was like wow. But the thing I guess is is like is that would you rather? Well, I think the way I put it to Kate today was we were listening to the album and I said, would you rather have a career like Marcy Playground or would you rather have a career like 
a band that didn't have any hits like Sonic Youth, for example, right. that has this big like cult following, underground following, yep. and they're kind of legendary, you know, and they've had this really long career that spanned a long period of time. Would you rather have that kind of career or would you rather have like, or did you want that radio that hit? One, yeah. yeah, that one big radio hit. Like I, I, I said to her, I wonder who made more money. Like I wonder who's made more money in their whole career. Yeah, right. you know. Well, because I, I would imagine Marcy Playground made a shitload of money. Oh, I bet for that one song. Like, They're still making money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Although it doesn't have that much commercial appeal. Right. <laughs> You're not going to hear Sex and Candy. Yeah, in a Target ad <laughs> or something. Like, all right, it's the Super Bowl. Uh, unless Target changes their brand right. a little bit. It's possible. Ford F-150. <laughs> I smell sex. <laughs> somebody, somebody opens the cab to the truck and they're like, yeah. oh, it smells oh, like Sex and Candy in here. I don't know. Yeah, I, it would be a fair question to ask under the right circumstance of like them and... Fucking like Meredith Brooks. Yeah. You know, or Natalie and Brulia, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, that, those guys were one hit wonders. I made a list of all the one hit wonders from 1997 and those were, they were both on it. You know, yeah. Natalie oh, and Brulia did Torn. Yeah. And Meredith had Bitch that year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Sister Hazel had a song. Aqua had Barbie Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, that was I mean, 97. That year. Wow. Yeah. So like is that, <laughs> I, I made a list of all the one hit wonders from that year and like the Verve Pipe with the Freshman. <laughs> Yeah. Damn. Um, Fiona Apple had Criminal, which I think most people probably knew. Mm-hmm. Man. Um, Tub Thumping came out that year, yeah. you know. Mambo number five, somewhere around that time. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo <laughs> number yeah, five. Lou Bega. So, I don't know. It's almost like it's a curse, but it's also a blessing. Yeah, you had, right. Like, you got to do, like, you actually had a hit. But we yeah. went from an artist that had, like, so many hits. Janet, right? Yeah. Had so many hits. And then we did this one that had one hit, and it's like, would you... I don't know. I guess I'd rather be the band that wrote that song that just connected with people, but mm-hmm. it's almost like a curse because you're always trying to like replicate that or you're always trying to write that next one. And I feel like that yeah. would just be like a curse for the rest of your life. That's true. Like I just can't get there. I can't. Yeah. No. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, <laughs> well, it's like, you know, actors, you play a certain part and then oh, yeah. if you're identified as that person for the rest of your life, you try not to get typecast, but yeah. get, like, like, what do you, you know? do? Do you lean into it? Or are you bitter? Tom Hanks got out of it because, yeah. like, he did all these funny movies in the early days, mm. and now mm-hmm. he's just like doing these very like. Yeah, heavy, but he wasn't know? like I. You know, it. I think Forrest Gump was like too out there for it to be something that he was just known for forever, and he had done so much. But but I'm if you think of somebody like Daniel Radcliffe and Harry Potter, yeah, you know, can you look at him and not think Harry Potter? Well, with the movies that he I mean, followed up with, and that's the thing, he, he did a good d- job. He did a good job yeah. <laughs> of getting, like, out going out there and doing, you know, first of all, doing Equus. <laughs> I think he did that like while he was doing Harry Potter. Horns was great. Yeah, uh, Guns Akimbo, like all these wild movies that are like you wouldn't really think, huh? Is that Harry Potter? Okay. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, the that's, that's funny that yeah. that all of those were in 1997. Wow, that was yeah. such a big, big year. That was a great year. Because that would have been my like freshman into sophomore. Is that right? If I graduate in 2000, maybe sophomore. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? I don't even know how old I am anymore. I know. <laughs> I would have been eight. <laughs> but I remember all of them on the yeah. radio. You know. Now, uh, we need to talk about very quickly our next selection. All right. My next selection. Ooh. And I didn't know... Well, my first selection, because I haven't done one just on That's my own. Because right. we started oh, with Foo. Oh, you have not. Yeah. Foo. Um, 
I I was all over the place on this one, and I didn't know if I went obvious for you guys or if I would dive into something a little bit deeper. Some some of the contenders, like you know, I thought about a uh, new miserable experience by the Gin Blossoms. I thought about maybe that could be something in the future. But then I was in the car and I decided to dive into one of my favorite bands. Just, you know, I get in the car. If I'm by myself, I want to sing along to something. And in the spirit of getting into an album that can kind of surprise you and kind of be all over the place, but you've definitely heard something from it, I decided to go with Out of Time by R.E.M. Okay. Which... I know that we are kind of familiar. I'm very familiar with. Right. And I know that Sam is familiar mm-hmm. with it. And I know I've forced you to listen to it. <laughs> but, right. But that's where I kept landing. And because when you actually dive into it track by track, it's so different from a lot of other stuff that's out there. So for the next time, everyone listen to Out of Time by R.E.M. And you're definitely going to hear... Some stuff in there that you've heard before and you still hear on the radio, obviously, but there's some big gems. 1991. In there, I think 1991. Yeah. Yeah. We're going back a little bit further. Like pump, pump. But I don't Ooh, know. For me, for me, it's kind of like. This one says March 12th. <laughs> <laughs> a little See, more I'm pretty specific. sure that was January. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's album release day in the United yeah. States. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm hoping and I wanted to check with you guys. Do you think we can dive into this one next weekend? Probably could. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah, right. Definitely. Sweet. Well, that's fun. it for for this time, Mr. Barnes. Thank you so much. Uh to to you, Sam, and to the listeners. Sorry that the we had a lot of technical difficulties oh today, God. a lot of sound issues, but we're gonna get this figured out for next time and uh it's gonna be great. Yeah. And I can't wait. Um and I just learned yeah. again. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for uh thanks again and uh yeah, I can't wait to talk about the, the next album. Yeah, dude. Yes, it's exciting. gonna be sweet. Thank you so much, everybody. We will talk to you soon. Bye everybody. Bye bye. Click. There we go.